Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 304. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And adventure, no, pirate coffee. Pirate coffee. Pirate coffee. I'm strangely okay with this. What uh, about pirate coffee? Well, you know, the, the joke we always make is, you know, the adventure riders are at the Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Yesterday, uh-huh. I saw, and I will include this picture in the show notes, mm-hmm. this at the Starbucks. It's a bunch of the rough, tough, vest-wearing riders at Starbucks. Yep. It was the pirates at okay. the Starbucks. All right. With their cruiser. They were get all get, and mm-hmm. they were, you know, the black vest, the sunglasses, the do-rags. The whole bit. Uh, yeah. I was just like, man, everyone needs a good cup of sugary coffee in the morning with some whipped cream and I'd, nutmeg. I'd make compelling arguments about good coffee and Starbucks not aligning, but then I just sound like a coffee snob. Well, okay. In all fairness, this was not a Starbucks. It, okay. It was a beans and brew. If, oh, okay. If that changes it. Eh, marginally. Okay. Now, not all of our readers would, would, or not all of our readers, Todd, you, you might have heard about Wheel Nerds Magazine. We, we've just launched it like mm-hmm. two seconds ago. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> all right. But wait, I, that looks like it's just drawings of dicks that you're stapling together. Okay. <laughs> It's a oh, surprise. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah, cause Beans and Brews is kind of a local chain, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, local so, chain. Yeah. But yeah, so every, everyone loves, we can all bond over coffee, man. Okay. All yeah. right. I'm strangely okay with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Let's all, we can bond. I like coffee. I like coffee a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Although, if I was going to a cafe to get some coffee, I would need something appropriate to it. And I don't mean a Harley or an Italian bike, which would also be appropriate. What? I mean... I'd need something like a, I don't know, cafe razor. But it's, Those are cool. Yeah. Cafe, 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 cafe. cafe. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 <laughs> so uh, here's a Suzuki cafe razor. I like Suzuki's. Um, mm-hmm. It's a 1974 Suzuki Titan 500cc two-strokes. Dear sweet Jesus. This bike is hard <laughs> to find and also to ride. Need new batteries and some carburetor cleanup. Uh-huh. Which means it's hard to ride because it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> These, this is also from the era of Suzuki two-strokes that are notorious for being insanely difficult to ride safely. Why? Because they have a very narrow power band, but the difference between the power band and not power band uh-huh. is like whacking the gas on a Hayabusa. <laughs> <laughs> like, hope, hope you're holding on tight and your pants are clean. This is, this is how we... New power in the seventies. Yeah, wear the brown pants when you hit the power band. Nice. And, yes. And look, this is nice looking it, cafe racer that you can just fall right off of. Yeah. When yeah. It, when you do that. Yeah. It's it. You know they they've done some work to make it look nice. It doesn't should, look ridiculous. No, it doesn't look completely ridiculous. And here's a person riding it in shorts and flip flops, <laughs> in accordance with the prophecy. With the helmet, at least. Technically, a helmet. I mean, this is Utah, so you know yeah. he doesn't even—he doesn't need that. <laughs> I love the—I love the needs carburetor cleanup. Well, why don't you fucking do that before you sell it? I'm just gonna throw that one. <laughs> you know, I'm just—I'm just just gonna just let that one just float by and see who notices it. That seems to me the basic like, unless you want like bottom dollar for a bike, maybe you should clean the fucking carb so it runs good. Um, could be they're not the uh, the bike the rider. Hmm. You know, this could be, you know, this is something they made because they wanted to look cool. No, it's, I mean, you know, it, it could have been like their, their father's bike. Maybe. And they cut the ass off of it. Uh, yeah. 
you okay. know, or, yeah. you know, maybe uh, something, you know, something happened. Mm-hmm. Ex-wife, ex, ex-husband bike. Could be. Yeah. They, they might, or, you know, they're just, they're lazy and they want it to go away. There is, there is one thing that springs to mind. Needs, need a new batteries. <laughs> yeah. There is only one battery in this car. Needs a new batteries. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. auto correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's not ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. I, I, what do you think about that price? Uh, the price, they're looking for uh, about two and a half grand, a little under that. Yeah. Um, it seems a little. It seems steep. Yeah. I mean, struck me if steep. the carburetors were clean and they were like, runs like fucking gangbusters, <laughs> but it's old, I'd be like, all right, all right. With the paint job and the the fairly decent bob job, and it runs good. Yeah, let's talk. Maybe uh-huh. you know, only talk them down. But well, yeah. So there's your negotiating tactic. Just yeah. go in about the carbs. Yeah. So what do you say, carbs clean? You mean it's completely fucked, or it's only slightly fucked? <laughs> what happens when I open this up? Yeah. <laughs> Is there an angry raccoon? Yeah. Yeah. What's it? What's it gonna be? <laughs> I mean, I guess if you wanted, uh, uh you wanted something cafe. You could always go with the the modern fake cafe, mm-hmm. and in the uh, the same category of are you asking that for real? Mm-hmm. This is a 2018 Triumph Fruxton R, bought new in 2019. One okay. owner, all right, yeah. 1200 cc. Yeah, it's got that nice that that kind, that kind of cool like bikini fairing, which uh-huh. looks neat on them. Yeah, just under 1500 miles, has mm-hmm. a lot of aftermarket parts, super okay. clean bike, in brand new condition. All and right, I want great. more than list. Uh, how much more than list? Um. Less than a grand more, but he's still over list for a brand new one of those. Oh, okay. So, so a three, four year old bike uh, with a bunch of shit that he tacked onto it. Yeah. He wants more than list price. He's feeling pretty rich about this. I, you know, I wish him a lot of luck. <laughs> it is a pretty bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the Thruxton R was one of those that kind of really yep. did. It's, it's a fairly neat bike. Yeah. But. But yeah, looking at his after lots of aftermarket parts, it appears it's mostly the bikini fairing. Or was that something that the R just had? I think the R just has that, or at least okay. had it at an auction. Oh, all right. Then is it the, the very forks? the extremely blued pipes that he has? Uh, Did it come with Olin shocks? I mean, usually that would be what I'd expect him to put on the R. Maybe the seat. I could be it's a seat. I, I don't know. That that's what I'm a little foggy about. Lots of aftermarket parts, like what stickers, uh, like a stripe like i i don't i don't know he doesn't list any of them no no he doesn't tell us no i think he's just trying to get top dollar for it yeah more than top dollar yeah (laughs) you want someone who has fallen in love with Mm -hmm. this bike irrationally it kind of it kind of smells like like i got a kind of a i got this on a loan and it's not very good terms i'm upside down i'm upside down as fuck on this bike please help mayday (laughs) mayday Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah i'm feeling it Mm -hmm. i like it yeah, they 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 got they got a lot of hopes, they got a lot of loves, they got a lot of dreams. So On the other dude. hand, <laughs> there's also a crusher of dreams, the 2011 Skull Crusher Custom Trike for nineteen thousand dollars. He's not kidding. 2011 Skull Crusher Custom Trike Design. The 2011 Skull <laughs> Crusher Trike Trike Description, Todd. Oh, sorry. 20, 2011 Skull Crusher Custom Trike Description. 22,011? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm just going to do this all day. Yep. <laughs> it's built by Skull Crusher, Trikes of New York. Ooh. Has Oldsmobile V6 with auto transmission. Stock exhaust, so nice and quiet on the road. <laughs> okay. Stock exhaust, Skull Crusher. <laughs> Does not compute. 
I mean, granted, six-cylinder Oldsmobile is like a grandma car, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and it's got a grandma exhaust. Uh, yeah, I guess this the it's the stock car exhaust. Okay, so this is no, a, wait, a wait. car. It gets better. Uh huh. Great road bike, but not so easy to parallel park. You don't say. It's still on their website. It's one of their best builds. Please text questions. Can't take two-wheeler on trade. Can't ride them anymore. <laughs> Thanks for looking. Trike all metal covered with rhino lining, then painted with clear coat. Looks like leather. Or like Rhino Liner with clear coat on it. Uh. Trike license and clean in Utah. Uh. My cost, something completely stupid. Wow. Some trades accepted. Need to have handbrake controls. Downsizing. Make me an offer. Okay. Yep. Yep. And he's willing to come down quite a bit for cash. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So this is this is a special needs thing. This, this yeah. is filling a specific need. Yeah. Right. What? That is that had five wheels. Well, he can't do two wheels, and he needs hand controls. Yes. So for which you can have any number of three wheel vehicles. But can you look like Batman when you're doing it with four? So this is the part that really gets me. It has four wheels in the back. Yeah. yeah. Like and one in the front. Uh huh. This is not a trike. This is a <laughs> quike. <laughs> this is a this is a bat car. It it Quinn. Quin- Quink? Quink? What the hell Quark? are those bars? They're bat bars. They are bat. Clearly this bat is a bars. bat bike, man. Or bat vehicle. Bat bars, bat seat, bat wheels, and like like many, and a giant, and a giant skull. bat skull on this the back. This is your skull crusher. Yep. Oh I, my god. The part that really blows my mind is the wheels on the back. Like, like it would almost make some small degree of sense if there were not four wheels on the back. But there are four wheels on the back. Of the tr- I can't. I can't stress this enough. This this quike when quink 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 this quink has four <laughs> wheels on the back and one in the front of course it doesn't steer well and it's hard to park <laughs> how, do, how does this thing steer at all is that i mean like occasionally i guess might be the question maybe that's just to accommodate the oldsmobile that he's hidden underneath the bodywork i mean there's basically a grandma car in there and they had the four wheels from the grandma car uh-huh so you and know we're not letting any of that go to waste. No, we're not. We're not just throwing that shit out. We got these two extra wheels. What do we do with them? They go on the quink. Hey guys, I got an idea. We're not doing a trike. We're doing a quink. <laughs> we're doing a quink. Oh, uh, and you know, usually I just do a PDF of the ad. Uh huh. But I, I w- you have to see all of these you pictures. Must, you guys. must come forth and appreciate this. It, I. This is amazing. Wow. And if you have eleven grand cash, you could just go get it. And own it and ride it home and possibly be divorced afterwards. <laughs> but you can't parallel park it. <laughs> well, this person can't parallel park it. I mean, that sounds like a dare to me. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Be, be the first on your block to own a quink. A, a skull crusher quink. Skull crusher. I mean, nice job on the, I, on the work. This, yeah, this is it, what really. Somebody had an idea in really, their head. And well done. It occurred. They did it. This is the thing that happened. And I think that's probably his head on the front of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Uh, okay, let's move on to something else. Okay. No image. No image. <laughs> this is a 2003 HD Sportster XL1200. Okay. 100th anniversary edition, less than 10,000 miles. Injury caused me to quit riding not long after I purchased, so it's mm-hmm. been sitting in the garage mm-hmm. for over five years. I'm sure it's great. Wife says it's time to sell. This is a sad story. Mm-hmm. I didn't read this before I got it. it was, I'm already depressed. Comes with fairing, leather saddlebags, and lots of chrome. Because Harley. 
Mm-hmm. Since it's sat for so long, it will need an oil change and fresh petrol. Uh-huh. $5,000. Everything rubber on it replaced. This dude does not want to sell his bike. No, he doesn't. He's not trying. He is. There's no image. There's no image. He's, he's not saying nothing but like, ah, oh, it's kind of old and that. Wife says it got to sell. He just wants to go out and love it occasionally. Yeah. It's a sad, sad day. It is. I, you know, I, this, I don't want to make fun of this. No. This is a, this no. is, this is sad. It's the, it's the ultimate in no effort. Yeah. And no effort with a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Cause doesn't want to, he doesn't want it. I put it up. Come on, let him just keep it. Nobody buy this. Nobody buy this. No one buy this. On the other hand, you could get a 2002 Honda Goldwing 1800. It's banana yellow. Seven grand. What do you think? Uh, hmm. 48,000 miles. That's for a 2002 Goldwing. If it had less than that, I'd be like suspicious of it. It'd be a garage queen. Mm-hmm. For a 2002 for 7,000. God, I don't know what 2002 is worth that. All right. That's. That's, I need to go look at Blue Book. That's, I'm suspicious. I mean, it's awfully clean. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty fancy, but that's a, I don't know. That's suspiciously high for a bike. That's what caught my eye. I was just Mm -hmm. like, really? For, I mean, as you pointed out to me, like the asshole that you always are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yes. This bike is 20 years old. Now, this bike was state of the art at the time it was made. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. (laughs) And if I had it, now, to be fair, if I had a giant ass two seater yellow sidecar, which my son, by the way, is convinced that I need to get, he's like, dad, you need to get that yellow sidecar that always shows up in the sidecar magazines. Well, here's your bike for it. There's the bike. There's for your it. pusher. You know, it's banana, it's banana yellow to go with a banana yellow sidecar. And it's just going to be banana rific. You, you got two seats on the two really comfortable seats uh-huh. on the bike. Yep. Two seats in the sidecar. You got your family covered. It's going to be a regular banana rama. You. Yeah. I, I am behind. But, son, 100%. But I'm not, I, I agree. The seven grand looks off to me. That just seems rich. It seems a little much a little for rich. a bike that old. I'm, yeah. And this is a lot fancier than a bandit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's an amount of money for something that old where I'm like, hmm. I, I could swear we've seen other gold wings coming with trailers. That, yeah. That are around a this similar price. vintage. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I'm I'm suspicious. Mm-hmm. Remember to always check the prices on the actual value sites, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of hopes and dreams. Hopes, dreams, to, desires. To buy or partially trade mm-hmm. for inexpensive Honda Grom. Okay. I do not have a Honda Grom for sale. I'm looking to buy one. Well, okay. I'm looking to buy on or purchase slash trade for one. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for something that runs and has a title. Mm-hmm. Would prefer stock, but what do you have? Please let me know and I can buy or buy slash trade for one. Not looking for anything too expensive or fancy. I have cash. Please help me. <laughs> I have hopes and I have dreams. I, I, I. One dollar. Nothing too expensive. The, the the combination of the I'm looking to buy but not too expensive and maybe trade. And a Grom. And a Grom. Yeah. This is uh when he says he has cash, he's he looking mean like a lot. Yeah, he's in his, he's looking at his wallet and he's pulling out two twenties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Hey man, can I make payments? 
Yeah. And like, you know, I get it. Like buying your first oh. bike is, is, is tough. Absolutely. Right? And getting the money together for the first bike. Cause you know, you're usually in like your, you're in like your early twenties, your late teens and you're fucking broke. You're just yeah. broke as fuck. Yeah. And so, you know, you're looking around and you look at all like the, the $600 shit piles and you're like, man, those are shit piles. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, there's the one that's like just out of reach. It's like a few grand. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, I could just, and you go to the bank, you're like, I got this for a few grand. And they're like, uh-uh. No. Go, go away. Do you have a job? Well, yes. <laughs> Do you have a job that pays you enough to get this kind of loan? Well, duh. No. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> it pays my rent. What else does it pay? I don't understand wait, the question. Wait, 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 wait. Mommy is not charging you. Ah, okay. Or she's mom is not charging rent. So, so to be fair, and I've done this by the way, if you're living above your parents' garage and you're willing to save the money and not like go out and party, mm-hmm. you can stash away a lot of money. Oh yeah, I bet. Like yeah. buying a buying a two thousand dollar bike becomes viable if you're willing to wait the year to do it. The only problem I have with the scenario that you're mm-hmm. painting, yeah, Grom, Grom for a first bike. Yeah. Usually the young 20 something year old dude, he's not looking at a Grom. Yeah. Well, maybe he is looking at a Grom because he heard they're cheap and small. Maybe. I don't know. And he thinks he can hide it. No. <laughs> oh my God. What if, yeah. What if he's, he's, he's trying to hide this bike from yeah. everybody. Yeah. The picture's coming together. He doesn't want anyone in the family to know he has it. What's under that blanket? Right, yeah. Nothing. And by the way, we only know it's a he because the name's on here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ding on, on the ladies or other who are like, I really want a shit pile bike, <laughs> but I need to be able to hide it. Anyone can have bad taste and make poor decisions is what we're saying. <laughs> I need a bike that's small enough. I can hide it in the doghouse. <laughs> and no one will ask questions in the literal doghouse, the literal doghouse. <laughs> no, no. He's, I need to hide this in the back of my skull crusher. <laughs> I need to put this in the trunk of the skull crusher. <laughs> there you go. It's a lifeboat. <laughs> my my yeah. dad just bought this. Quink. <laughs> <laughs> so the other the other possibility here, there's there's one other strong possibility. Uh, is this is a person who is not a person. Ah, uh, trap. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is a trap of some sort. This is the this is the tell me about it. Oh yeah, I've got this grom and this. Oh, you do? Okay, can you shoot me some pictures of it? And they start asking questions like, Oh, has it been in Utah for a long time? And they ask enough to like make a convincing grom ad uh-huh. that somebody else will will get caught has by. it been in utah a long time does it yeah. what color is it yeah are both your kidneys healthy yeah I, do, do you I, can you can you run a vehicle report on it for me using a sketchy vehicle report <laughs> won't steal your credit card dot ru and i'll totally buy it <laughs> yeah yeah that's a scam by the way when somebody wants you to buy a vehicle report oh on God, a bike yeah. you're selling that's a fucking scam yeah. in case anyone was curious yeah and it's a really popular one yeah. Like when they ask you shit that's in the ad, yeah, that's that's pretty much the lead into that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. You can tell because when you offer them the vehicle report you've already purchased, like from a regular, yeah, you know, reputable, reputable, I don't know, bike fact, car facts, whatever. Yeah. Then they're like, no, 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 no. I I only trust this one, this one site. I shudder to think what the vehicle report on the bandit would look like. <laughs> <laughs> There's just screams. You open it up, bats fly, <laughs> raccoons. Like, uh, this one says it was owned by a T. Cox. 
<laughs> every time someone says that, it goes <laughs> lightning. I didn't think there was a storm today. Okay, well this uh, this Mister Cox <laughs> who owned it. <laughs> it says uh, it says here he modified it to put a sidecar on it. Oh, do you think he did a good job at it? I don't know. Does T Cox? <laughs> know anything about bikes jungle drums in the distance (laughs) yeah the minor chord comes up (laughs) yep makes sense yep now oh i mean perfect example talking about the last gold Mm -hmm. yeah last gold wing they want seven grand for it okay all right 20 years old this is a 1984 honda goldwing aspen k 1200 for 3500 dollars just don't ride enough to keep it, so time to sell. Under 46,000 original miles, which is just a small amount for the age. Okay. Just service with the carbs cleaned and adjusted last year. It comes with an extra exhaust and windshield, brand new front tires, no joyride, serious buyers only, not interested in trades. Text or call if interested. Clean title in hand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 3,500 for an 84. Mm. Again, I think too steep. Now, this mm. is a fucking clean old Goldwing, and the 1200 was a really good Goldwing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this thing is as brown. Okay, it's pretty sun faded as one does. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's '80s brown. I mean, it's clean, but mm-hmm. uh, do the math for me because I'm bad at math. Forty, forty-year-old bike. Yeah, well, not quite forty, but close yeah. enough. High thirties, close enough. Close enough that it counts. Yeah, yeah, and it's a good bike at the time, but yeah. 40 years. Yeah. That's a long time. I mean, 3,500 bucks will get you. I mean, you could get an, you could get an ST 1300 for that now. You know that? Mm, really? Really? I looked because I was like, <laughs> you know, well, cause I would be a fun, it'd be a cool pusher, right? It would be a good it'd pusher. Be a bitch to work on with, with fucking <laughs> like, you'd have to, you'd have to get a hole saw. It would be a lot of hole saw work, but, <laughs> but it'd be a killer pusher. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, like that, you could you could literally get an SD thirteen hundred for that, mm. which would blow the doors off of this Goldwing. I wonder if it's something about Goldwing. Um, it could be. I mean, you know, it, it's a Goldwing. I mean, Goldwings are good, right? Yeah. But like, it's not like they're rare, right? Oh gosh, it's really hard to find a Goldwing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me throw gosh, this Chuck, rock. I hope I hope I can find someone who will sell me a Goldwing, Chuck. <laughs> I had to drive. 400 500 miles to get to a goldwing dealer chuck uh-huh yeah yeah it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't no work the same not no 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 parts are really hard to get for gold wings because <laughs> you know they're made in japan they're um they're not made in japan well, they are now oh okay. uh, actually that's not true they, now they are made in japan um prior to about 10 years ago they were mostly made in the united states oh really yeah oh no shit yeah i did not know that yeah well because they sold like almost all, all of them here yeah so shipping it would be a bitch yeah, yeah okay exactly makes yeah. sense yeah yeah and, and yeah okay now that i'm thinking more about it like yeah no one in india would be writing this mm. no one in thailand would be writing this i mean except for the the one guy who just is like check me out <laughs> except for the the indian version of jeff bezos right yes, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, the Thai version of Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Except he's got nowhere that's wide enough for him to actually ride the bike through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And I'm stuck again. <laughs> oh well. So so gold wings not hard to find, not mm-hmm. hard to find parts for. Yeah. You know what I bet is hard to find right now? Is a Pan America. 
You don't say. I do. All right. So we're on with Jim Hampshire, who wrote a Harley-Davidson Pan America, which is an actual real thing that exists in the world, in the Iron Butt Rally. Jim, how you doing, man? Well, not bad. Yourself? Doing too good. So, so uh, I gotta, I gotta ask, just to confirm, the Pan America does in fact exist in the real world. Well, at least one of them does, because that's the one I rode. Okay. okay. So, like, the big first question is how? <laughs> well, I, uh, I've been following this thing for a while, and down at the uh, the local Harley dealer, I just kind of put down a deposit and told them, hey, uh, the first one that comes in. I want first dibs on it, whether I want it or not. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, were telling me it wasn't going to be coming in, you know, until May, June, possibly July. And then I got a phone call at work one day. All of a sudden, they uh, told me we're not sure how it happened, but three of them just showed up and without <laughs> paperwork. And yes, we're going to sell them. They were on so the back of a truck. Interested. It was unmarked. There was a guy. His name was Sanchez. We didn't ask questions. He was also selling tamales. <laughs> yeah. They said they've been having a lot of trouble with their uh, deliveries with some new thing Harley's doing. And uh, three of them showed up unexpected, called Computers. me and asked me if uh, I was interested. And, you know, that's a dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> so how much was a Pan American? Yeah. What's the, what's a sticker on one of those these days? It. It, it's uh, it, kind of like any car thing. Yeah, the uh, the sticker price for the special, which the one I got, it starts out at like twenty one, mm-hmm. but then when you start adding the extra stuff, you adapt to the suspension, the special paint, the skulls, adding taxes and titles, registration, all that. It starts racking up pretty well. I think totally. Everything, including the maintenance stuff, it was probably somewhere in the high 20s. All right. Yeah. So, now, one thing I did get on it, mm-hmm. because I know myself and I knew this was a very uh, maintenance-intensive bike, was I got the uh, three years unlimited mileage maintenance thing. Mm. Oh, okay. And if you look at the hour rates of some of the maintenance on this thing, I'm going to get my money back on that. <laughs> You're gonna, yeah. They're, they're going to take a bath on selling you that one. So, so yeah, actually, that's an interesting I've had it question. Two months and it's in for the ten thousand mile service right now. So, so, so uh, <laughs> maintenance heavy. Now, I, I, maintenance heavy is not usually a thing I would associate with a Harley. I mean, a no, push rod, air cooled engine with a belt is like you know, like put oil in it. Yeah, that's pretty much the way a normal one is. This is a little bit different. Uh, huh. um, the one thousand mile service, you know, because I'm always talking to the techs on this thing. And uh, the book hours on that is like three and a half hours. Jesus, tap dancing Christ. What do they do? What do they do? Well, they got to do almost all the maintenance on it. You got to start off by pulling off the gas tank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, they go in, they replaced all the fluids. And of course, this thing has a radiator as well as all the other stuff. Ah. So it's all the radiator fluid, the transmission fluid, the oil, all that good stuff. And mm-hmm. then they got to reprogram it and. All kinds of other stuff. This uh, definitely is not like your normal Harley. Gotcha. Not 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 stone and. Yeah, you're looking more uh, along the lines of maintaining a high end uh, European bike. Mm. Did the uh, techs have anything interesting to say about it as they work on it? Well, it was pretty interesting. I I bought the thing and I went over to service and talked to them, and they said, "Yeah, there's a uh, you know after a thousand miles." Uh, 
you bring it back and there's the initial break-in service. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in the Iron Butt Association. I'm thinking, well, a thousand miles, that's like your basic See you tomorrow. Run, you know, a thousand miles in 24 hours. So yeah, I told him, yeah, I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll be back here uh, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, what, what time so is I, it now? Yeah, <laughs> literally. I took it off the showroom four, jumped on it, put a thousand miles on it, came back the next day and dropped it off. <laughs> it's ready for its service. They're and, like, you're shitting us. You're like, nope, nope. It was Kind of funny because the uh, the techs in the place know me because I've been doing stuff like that with my uh, crossbones for a while. Uh-huh. And, but the uh, the sales folk really didn't know me that well. And so when I brought it back in the next day, you know, they're all freaking out. He put a thousand miles on it. He put a thousand miles on it. And then the one old tech that uh, rebuilt my transmission on my crossbones when I blew it up, he just kind of turned wrench. Of course he did. No, no. Let, let, let's be real. When you brought it back the very next day, the sales guys were like, oh, my God, something went horribly oh, wrong. No. <laughs> this newfangled technology yeah. has failed us. Yeah. It's well, broken uh, already. The really funny one was, you know, how they do a follow up after a sale on the phone. Oh, and this real nice lady called me uh, right when I was getting ready to take it back in, she was asking about the sale, how the people were, all the usual things, mm-hmm. how I liked the bike. And I told her, yeah, I love the bike. It's great. In fact, I'm bringing it back right now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry. Is there a problem with it? So, no, nah, I just went out and put a thousand miles on it, bringing it back for service. He started off, well, I'm glad to. What? <laughs> You're <laughs> just deadpan like that. <laughs> I need to back up to the part where Todd, have you had any dealer call you ever the next day? Um, not at this time. I mean, you just I've, bought a fancy one. I know. I just, I've been calling him back. I'm like, yo, uh, where's my title? Cause like, you know, uh, I'm going to need some real plates on this soon. And they're just like, oh, let, let's put you on the whole fiesta. Do, 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 do. Yeah. I've, uh, I guess that's the, uh, the Harley part of the Harley experience, right? I, I guess so. You know, you pay for service. Yeah. Or but they just know him, on, you know, follow up and seeing how their sales folks are doing and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I just kind of hit them with a curveball. <laughs> so so important. The important question, of course, everybody's read the magazine articles probably about the Pan America is very different from other Harleys and nobody really wants to have an opinion about it. So so what's the good, the bad and the ugly on the Pan America, having had your butt planted to it for rather some time now? Yeah. Well, there's. It is very much its own motorcycle. It It's kind of a Harley, but if I were trying to describe it, I'd say it, it's an adventure bike that kind of reminds me of a Sportster. Hmm. It, not so much a Harley. I mean, there's a Harleyness to it, but it is very much its own bike. Hmm. Okay. Now, have you ever rode a Ulysses? No, I haven't. I actually was looking at one for a while, but uh, it it just never quite lined up with me. You know, the right bike was never available, but uh, I was looking at them for a while. That's the comparison I'd be pretty interested in. Mm, Definitely. I'd be kind of interested, too. And it reminds me of a little bit of a uh, a BMW uh, F800 GS that I had, Mm. but it's lower... And it has way, way more powerful, um, handles a lot better. 
Hmm. which is kind of a weird thing. You wouldn't expect to hear that about. Right. At 100 pounds plus more, you'd expect, you know, a little little less. Yeah. Now, it has the same kind of uh, diving suspension when you get on the brakes real hard that that 800 had. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's as an adventure bike. All of them do that, I think. Mm hmm. Now, I could ask you about comfort, but given that you do iron butts, I'm not sure that you can feel seats anymore. <laughs> well, um, when I first, you know, the very first time I saw one was actually up at Bike Week. They had one kind of locked in one of them bracket things. Mm. And, you know, nobody was close, so I decided that meant I could jump on it. <laughs> and I kind of was surprised that it, it fit me. You know, it it's felt like it fit me. Everything was about the right distance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I, I was kind of shocked. The seat is much more comfortable than I'm used to in an adventure bike. Hmm. But then again, my other adventure bike was a BMW GS and that's not really a very high bar to set there. <laughs> that one, I never quite did get to fit me even with the bar risers and a Tortec seat and all the other stuff I did. Yeah, this one, you know, for the uh, the couple of 1,000-mile rides I did on it, kind of felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. But when I did the uh, the 11-day rally, it kind of brought out some stuff that wasn't quite right for me. But mm-hmm. it's fixable stuff if the parts ever become available. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the seating position, you're kind of leaning forward a bit, so your head's kind of always under tension. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're riding a day or two, that's no big deal. You know, 11 days leaning forward, holding your head and helmet up, that gets old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that gets real old. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. If they do make uh, bar risers. One of these days are actually going to be uh, not backordered, and I plan on getting some of them <laughs> and seeing if that gets me sitting up and down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I can only hope that you-, you get them before I get the bolt for the end of my bar on the Gucci. And your uh, title, I, apparently. Or, well, or details. Your, your license, I don't know, your paperwork. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lay money on that because all the stuff that was on back order before the rally is even further on back order now. So Back order, <laughs> Have they yeah. gotten any more Pan America since those first three? No, but they still have the stand where mine was. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What put the idea in your head to take a Pan America on an 11,000-mile ride? Well, I've been trying to get into the Iron Butt Rally for about six years now. Hmm. And it, it's, a, it's a draw type thing, and my name just hasn't been one of the lucky ones picked up. Hmm. And then when uh, I more or less put the Pan America in order, what I was thinking about is the Iron Butt the association has this thing where you try to put a hundred thousand miles on a bike in a year. And so I shot an email over to the iron butt association asking because the documentation on that is ridiculous. And they gave me some of the basic stuff, put a spot tracker on it. And then at the end of it, um, the guy that answered that happened to be the president of the iron butt association asked, Hey, do you think you could get it ready for the Iron Butt Rally? And this is about a month, uh, two months out. Mm. And of course, I've been fighting for this thing forever. So, yeah, absolutely. And then after that, I uh, got a hold of the dealer and told him, hey, you know that deposit I put down so that I could look at the first one that comes in? 
let's change that to a deposit that uh, I buy the first one that comes in, okay? <laughs> so the Pen America was your your golden ticket to the IBR? Uh pretty much. <laughs> so you're so you're the you're the gimmick section, Ben. <laughs> for well, this year. Well, they actually have a section, you know, they have all the standard entries and then they have this thing they call hopeless class. <laughs> and what that is is generally for people that are entering motorcycles that are so bizarre that they don't think you have a hope of finishing. Uh-huh. And they had a spot set open for this. Um, they had a, one of the original iron butt gold wings and they had a spot open for somebody that wanted to fix it up and ride it. That <laughs> well, this is about six weeks out from the rally and it hadn't been taken and they had that spot open so they offered it to me. I don't think that they were really expecting I'd say yes, because normally it <laughs> takes about 18 months to get ready. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And it was six weeks out, and I hadn't been completely straight with them because I didn't even actually have the bike yet. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of – a lot of. Yeah. so do you have the bike? I don't not not have it. How's the bike riding? Great. Yeah, fortunately, they didn't ask those questions. <laughs> How's it look? It looks like the magazine picture. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly like in the magazine. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Yep. So, you know, and then, of course, a, a week or two later, when they still had no information on when it was coming in, I called the biggest local dealer, and he told me, well, I don't think they're uh, going to start shipping those into July. And, you know, the start date being in the middle of June, that didn't make me entirely happy. Uh-huh. You know, some whiskey ensued and stuff. But <laughs> So when they when he called and said, hey, three bikes are dropped off, are you interested? Yeah, silly question. Set it up. Wow. What colors are they? <laughs> yeah, what color are they? What, what color is yours? Mine is one of the orange ones. Okay. Originally, I was wanting to get a uh, a gray one, but at that point, I was wanting to get a Pan America. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what other bikes? What do you what do you got riding right now? What are you comparing it to? Well, the bike I have now really isn't a comparison, and uh, I got a uh, 2009 Crossbones. That's one of those uh, Springer soft tails. It it's not really a comparison at all. Mm-hmm. Although I have been using it for iron butt runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bike I had, I would compare it closest to was that BMW GS 800. Okay. It It's kind of along those lines, except it's a lot lower, more comfortable, more powerful, a little bit better behaved on mm-hmm. the road. Although the 800 was a rocket. This thing is, the Pan America is a ridiculous ridiculously powerful i uh, spent the whole time with it in rain mode to kind of throttle back the power a little because i wanted to save the chain oh wow all right (laughs) yeah yeah it it has so much more power that i i would ever use for the iron butt rally that i throttled it back um would you say that the the whole leaning forward thing is your biggest complaint with the bike oh The uh, 
the biggest irritation I think I had is the chain. You know, having spent so much time on, uh, you know, Harleys with belt drives and stuff like that, you know, dealing with the chain was the irritation. It wasn't as bad as dealing with the chain on the 800, which mm -hmm. I could never get to stay in. But uh, I started the rally with about 2,500 miles on it. And Harley says you need to uh, check the chain every 600 miles. And as it what? turns out, it was actually needing checked and uh, quite a few adjustments. And through the whole first leg of the rally, it was still stretching and adjusting. There was Dang. three different times I was sitting at gas stations with it up on the center stand, tightening the it. chain up. Yeah. But, uh, but after that, it kind of settled in and didn't mess with me anymore. 600, every 600 that's miles? A, that's a, well, six, 600 to look at it and like make sure that it's not like, doesn't need like some spritz or something, but like adjusting yeah. it every 600, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, that was a lot of time wasted. Yeah. That was a hell? whole lot of time wasted. But once it, uh, once it settled in, it took pretty close to 5,000 miles to settle in where it would stop mm -hmm. stretching. Huh. That was just irritation. Yeah. And the owner's manual is, uh, kind of irritating because they tell you how to measure it but that's about all they tell you <laughs> they don't have any instructions as to you know how to adjust the chain or nothing like that well well, that's that's easy jim the instruction is you take it back to the harley dealer with your credit card yeah yeah the owner's manual is a little bit weird on a lot of stuff they tell you what to look for and they give you absolutely no instructions on what to do about it what but, must that be like? <laughs> <laughs> what are you yeah. trying to say, Todd? How, nah. how's, how's your uh, uh, Guzzi manual? It it exists. <laughs> well, you're a step ahead of the uh, Pan America manual because they're talking about shipping them uh, next month. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they're going to send you the actual, like, is there, so wait, there's a secret, like, second edition good manual? The real manual. <laughs> no, this uh, the service manual. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Gutsy, props to Gutsy. They actually, they actually like publish it online. For the rear axle, things mm -hmm. like that. Oh, well. So, so talk, let's, let's change gears for a minute and talk iron butt for a minute. Yeah. Um, I, I do not have an iron butt. I have a very, very soft rear end. Yeah, uh, you're about I'm a big, 60, 70 miles. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the custom seat. Um, what are the things you do to prepare for an iron butt? Because, I mean, it can't be just, like, get a comfy seat and go to town. Especially like, over 18 months. Yeah, that's just far. Yeah. Well, nor in a normal situation, which I was not, what you do is you start setting up your bike. Most of the, the bikes I use in the rally, you have an auxiliary gas tank. You want to yeah. be uh, carrying as close to 11 and a half gallons of gas as possible. That way you're not continually stopping for gas. Mm -hmm. um, GPS is absolutely mandatory. Uh, a laptop mm -hmm. that you can do all the routing on is absolutely mandatory. You want your bike as reliable as you possibly can. Uh, you want to stick auxiliary lights on it for when you're running at night in deer country, mm. just just to kind of not to hit them. Although, you know, every year somebody does, it, yeah. it kind of goes with the territory. Have um, you thought about putting a flare on it? Uh, there ain't a whole lot of space on the front of a, uh, a Pan Am. 
Hmm. You know, the uh, really? I've got a my GPS on one side and I've got my phone holder charger on the other, and I am just about uh, out of room in the cockpit. Wow. There huh? just did not a whole lot there. I was picturing something more like the Strom, where you have that big round kind of fairing, and there's just like a freaking ocean of space to throw shit. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty tight. Huh. Yeah, right. It's disappointingly tight, but you know they really didn't intend to, you know, this. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They didn't see you coming, Jim. No, I don't think anybody saw it. How so, could they not have expected this? How? What kind of idiot would take this thing on a ride that long? Yeah. So, so okay. So, so you got the GPS, you got the laptop to do all of your routing and stuff, and that's presumably so you can you can make sure you're making distance and you know not going to hit like crazy shit on the way that'll slow you down. Well, um, the way uh, the Iron Butt Rally works, it is you pretty much you have your start and finish. Mm-hmm. In this case, it was Provo, Utah. Uh, you had checkpoint one, which was Indianapolis. You had checkpoint two, which was Huntsville, Indiana. Mm. Okay, now you have three days to get from one to two, and three days to get from two to three, and four mm-hmm. days to get from three to four. Now the thing is, if you just drive straight there each time, mm-hmm. you're not going to collect enough points to be classified as a finisher. Huh? Really? Yeah. Now what they do is. On they have a, a writers meeting the night before the start, and they hand you a book of bonus locations. You know, do what you want with them. Different mm-hmm. ones are worth different points. They're scattered all over the United States. Uh, on normal years, there are also some up in Canada. This year, because of all the COVID stuff going on, mm-hmm. it was strictly 48 states. Yeah. You know, nothing up in Canada, nothing up in Alaska. But every one of the 48 states had at least one location in it, and most of them had multiples. And it's up to you to decide where you're going, what you're doing, which ones you're hitting to maximize your points. Uh, and you got to hit checkpoint one. If you go past the uh, cutoff date, you're out of the rally, you know, the date and time. Mm-hmm. Then when you get there the following morning at 4 o'clock, there's a breakfast, there's a writer's meeting. And then they hand you out the next set of uh, bonus locations until you go. Hmm. Then you're oh. frantically, you know, plugging them into base, base camp, trying to figure out what you're going. And you wind up doing things like going to from Indiana to Alabama by way of upstate New York. and things <laughs> As as you as one does. Would. Yeah. And then the same thing happens on the final leg. You know, they uh, on the morning of four o'clock in the morning, you got your riders meeting, you have your breakfast and they hand out the final checkpoints and go. And you're going from Alabama to Utah. Some people went by way of uh, Montana. I went by way of the uh, Arizona border with Mexico, California and back on over. It's, you know, it, you're pretty much on your own. You're making your own choices and. uh Hopefully you make good ones. <laughs> so, so interestingly, so that there's the endurance aspect of it because that's just a buttload of riding. Yeah, but it sounds like there's also a fairly fierce mental aspect of it, figuring is, out the answer. Yeah, that is a, a a very big thing, and that's one of the things that did me in. I completed the rally, however, I didn't get enough points 
Uh. So I technically DNF'd on points. Uh. Yep. Now, how 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 good are you at routing? Let's be honest. After six days of riding your ass off. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what did me in. I uh, when I left Alabama, I had a route plotted out. I was going to hit the north end of Montana. There was a bonus I was trying to get, where if you hit Glacier National Park, then hit um, a place in California that's dedicated to uh, Muir. Then you go down south and hit the the bonus where Teddy Roosevelt uh, sat down and set up the park system. There's like a 16,000-point bonus, mm. and I had plotted that thing, and I was going to hit it. And then I got as far as Colorado, and then all of a sudden I started second-guessing myself. Mm. Because normally your check-in deadline is at 10 p.m., and my check-in deadline for the final one was 10 a.m. You know, that's when you get time-barred and kicked out of the rally. Mm. And so I, I jumped on the computer, and I verified that I was wrong. And so I went to – I set up a different route, and the different route wasn't worth enough points. Now, the uh. thing was, at that point, what messed me up was the other two legs were three-day legs. This was a four-day leg. Uh, what I had done originally was right, and I could have made it if I did that. I second-guessed myself. I lost the extra day. Right. And then I wound up sitting in Tucson, Arizona at uh, the restaurant where they had invented the chimichanga. And I'm thinking, I got another day to go, and I've got nothing planned. What happened? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all I've got is this piece of paper, and all I've written on it is pancakes, 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 pancakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so there was a whole bunch of massive last-minute routings. Uh, I wound just... up hitting a uh, few places over in California, uh, picked up a bunch of points, but not quite enough points. But it, it was kind of humorous. I wound up uh, skirting San Diego to the – the WD-40 uh, factory headquarters and uh, bounced down to uh, Los Angeles to the monument they got to the guy that brought surfing back from Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> down on, That was kind of funny on the beach because I pulled into there, jumped off the bike, grabbed my rally flag and camera and went down and took the picture. And while I'm taking the picture, there, I hear this little girl asking her mom, how come that man's wearing a snowsuit? <laughs> it's a hundred and two. And uh, the mom said, "Don't stare. Just come on. Keep don't, going. Look. <laughs> don't look. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> I've taught you better than this. Don't look. Don't look, yeah. little Sally. It's too late, mother. I've seen everything." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose that was a kind of a strange sight on a uh, Los Angeles beach about noon or so. And you know when you know when the people on an LA beach think you're a weirdo, then you're really you're like you're stretching. You, oh yeah, you gotta ask yourself the hard it. questions. <laughs> yeah, it it is a bit different. Did you did you see or ride with any of the other participants, or were you completely alone? No, you're uh, you run into them from time to time, but you're pretty much on your own. Uh, you can team up. But you have to declare yourself as a team. Uh. And the problem is, is while you're a team, 
if one of you breaks down or gets disqualified, you also break down or and are right. disqualified. Oh, okay. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, you're an actual team, your bikes are pretty matched. The way you ride is the same. You know, you hit mm-hmm. gas stops the same. You hit rest stops the same. You stop to uh, take a nap the same. If you don't match up, it's a disaster. So in the team aspect, and, and this occurred to me because you were talking about the bikes matching. Do both bikes have to finish or can two dudes run in on one bike because the other one uh, caught on fire? In a, a team aspect, no. However, they do have two up couples that uh, have finished this rally. Okay. Huh. Now, do, are they allowed to hot seat it? No. The the rider has to ride the whole time, and the passenger has to be the passenger the whole time. But there, it has been one or two couples where the passenger it's has actually been on the computer. Yeah, that's what I was riding, thinking. Riding and routing. Yeah, because the problem is uh, a lot of these check, a lot of these bonuses you go to, they'll have time restrictions. Some of them will be open for 24 hours. It's no big deal. Um, other ones will be daylight hours only. Mm. Other ones will be open only between this and this. And uh, like an example was the uh, one of the ones I hit was the start of the Louisiana Purchase Survey. Hmm. which strangely enough is in a swamp in Arkansas. Because <laughs> uh, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Figure that one out. But that one has an automatic gate and it opens at six and I think it closes at eight or 10. And if you're behind the gate, <laughs> six o'clock the next morning, there is no other way out. Well, me in. this is, this yeah. has gone wrong. You're climbing the fence with your rally flag. <laughs> yeah. So is is the proof that you've made these locations the picture or? It it depends on the one. Normally what it is is it's your bike, your rally flag there with your bike, and the specific thing you're supposed to have a picture of. And when they hand you the rally packet, they have example pictures of each individual item. So you know what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in some cases, like in Oklahoma, they have a, uh, uh, code talker memorial at mm-hmm. window rock. And for that one, they want the picture, but then you also have to go to a local business or store and get a computer generated receipt mm-hmm. in between the hours of 8 AM and, uh, 10 PM that says, window rock on it in the address mm. and one of the uh the guys that did it they did that they shot the picture they forgot the receipt and when they came into oh. scoring they got nothing for that one because they didn't complete oh. what they said so yeah some of these can be heartbreaking oh man they're just you just have to get in the habit of just reading the instructions because it's clearly labeled they're not trying to trick you Sure, but nothing is clearly labeled after six days of hard riding. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's where the problem comes in. It doesn't matter how many examples you're looking at. I mean, the which which bike is yours is sometimes a little foggy. Uh-huh. How, how do I start this again? Where's my key? Mm-hmm. Someone yep. come here and show and me one. And while we're at it, where are my pants? Mm-hmm. Pants? For what? Yep. I don't know. Seems like the thing to have. Uh, mm-hmm. 
along to heartbreaking, what, what would you say is the percentage of finishers? Usually, um, it's pretty high. It's usually in the 80% range. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But a lot of, uh, a big portion of the competitors are people that have done this before. Mm. Okay. Okay. And also, this year, even among the rookies, there was a lot of rally experience. Hmm. You know, the, a lot of the rookies to the Iron Butt Rally this year had a lot of experience in five- and six-day rallies prior to coming here. Mm-hmm. So for most of them, this was not their first shot at something like this. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. In my case, it was. But, you know, lessons learned. Two years from now, I'm going to put in for it and see if I can do it better that time. Okay. <laughs> One thing you mentioned in the YouTube video that you sent us was there's like a whole social media blackout during the rally? Yeah, during the rally, you're not allowed to be posting on social media. There's a couple different reasons for that. Part of it is just safety. Sure. You know, you don't want that. There's a spaced out guy on a they, bike uh, you can rob. Yeah. You know, they don't want a bunch of people showing up at these uh, bonus locations. I mean, uh, a lot of them are on the side of the road, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they can handle one or two bikes at a time. They can't handle a crowd. Uh, a lot of these things, you know, like there's a, uh, you know, you go to a graveyard and take a picture of a particular grave. You know, you can do that by yourself, nice, respectful, everything like that. You get a dozen people all packing around waiting for the guy showing up at the graveyard. Pretty soon that graveyard's going to be off limits, you know, mm-hmm. for good reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, also, they, they don't want all these locations getting out to see what it actually looks like. You're supposed to find it by yourself. And even though they show you where it is, sometimes it takes a little bit of walking around finding it. Mm-hmm. You know, so they don't want other people getting an advantage there. Right. Yeah. That is the game after all. Yeah, it it's it is competition. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it it is pretty high bore competition, even compared to some of the actual racing type racing I've done. Huh? These folks take this very very serious. Now, are there are there Im- impressive prizes for winning apart from a sticker and being that maniac? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm first. Yeah, pretty hey. much what it is is uh, the top ten get trophies. Mm-hmm. If you finish, you get a finisher plaque, mm-hmm. and that is it. Oh, wow. This is a very, very strictly amateur event. You know, no paid riders, nothing like that. It, even when you uh, your bikes are going through tech inspection, no advertising is allowed other than the, the usual stuff. You know, if you got a Harley and it says Harley on the side, that's okay. What, what about a but, Wheel Nerd sticker? Would that be against the rules? That very possibly could be, um, you know, they even, even to the point, like if, you know, if you're a member of like the, uh, BMW owners of America and they cut, kick in some money for you to do it, you're allowed to take the money, you know, to help with the expenses. Mm -hmm. But if you have a BMW owners of America sticker, you have to tape over it for the duration of the rally. They're uh-huh. very, very strict. Mm. This is an amateur-only event, and they want to keep it that way. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Otherwise, you end up with the factory teams. and you know, right. That's the thing. And, uh, you know, especially if you got one of these weird bikes that you're not going to find a dealer on every corner that's able to fix it, the temptation to have a 
you know, a parts truck chase you mm-hmm. would be very high. And, you know, yes, that's, that's it would be. You know, like if you had, say, a, a brand new American motorcycle that not every dealer stocks parts for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that was one of the big things I was worried about with this thing. I was afraid if I was going to break something, that that would be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, the the parts situation for this bike is just not great. Hang on, uh, we'll make one. When? Yep. Eventually. <laughs> and it, it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, that 1,000-mile uh, run that I did when I broke it in. Mm-hmm. When I brought it back in, uh, they had the one guy that was the qualified Pan American tech, and he was all excited. You know, great. I'm glad to see somebody's riding one of these. And <laughs> This is know. the first time I've ever seen one of these in real life. Yep. And, it, you know, it's the very first one he's ever going to get a chance to work on. And he told me, as soon as I can get an oil filter, it's going to be the first thing up on the lift, and I'm going to get working on it right away. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. Hold, hold up. What? He, <laughs> said, you know, he said, as soon as I can get an oil filter, and I'm thinking I'm going to take this on an 11-day beating across the whole United States. It well, doesn't use a stick. What's special? Uh, oh. Yeah, it has a little bit different. Everything on this bike is a little bit different. This sounds hauntingly familiar on some level, I just want to say. I thought Harley was big on the parts bit. Uh, You think? They were were on the normal bikes. This is different. At this point, I'd like to point out that I I want very badly to say, why the hell would you use an oil filter that is specific only to this bike? And then, but I, I choke on my own words. <laughs> it, it, it's a diet spot. They put it underneath the skid plate. Uh huh. Under you, so you take the skid plate off. Oh, does it have a big ass spring inside? So it comes fucking flying out when it comes off. <laughs> no, but it should. Oh, okay. Uh, Gucci helpfully added that one. Like that fucker comes out. It's coming. The skid plate. Uh-huh. No, no, not the skid plate. Oh, no, the, the oil filter. It like, ejects. Well, so you, you drain the oil, and you're like, okay, that's enough. And you take the oil filter off, and you know their half quart of oil comes out, of course. <laughs> and then when you get the the bolt all the way off, there's a spring that's under tension, and it, like, pops down two inches and gives you a freaking heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so so clearly clearly, clearly, the folks in Italy and the folks in, uh, in Milwaukee have been talking. Yeah, they've been talking to somebody. It's uh, it's got a lot of interest and in high tech on it, but some of it is a little bit weird. Like that, uh, the adaptive suspension thing. It it's kind of neat, but I found out it can be really, really irritating at times. Oh, yeah. One, it's, it's the thing when you turn on the bike, it drops it down a little bit, mm-hmm. and that's nice and convenient. It, I don't completely flat foot it, but it's comfortable. Now, the trouble is that if you have the kickstand down, when you turn it on and it drops it, it drops all that weight on the kickstand. Oh. Then all of a sudden, you know, it don't flip up easy. <laughs> or if you're in gravel, it kind of buries itself. Augers it in. <laughs> <laughs> so. so it's really dropping anchor. I'm just I'm yeah. just imagining it like like somebody somebody rolling up on their Pan American and they're like yeah and they start bouncing the back end with the, <laughs> with the suspension playing yeah. the sick beats it, yes it was one yeah. of those things if you remember to put the kickstand up before you turn on the power it's okay but 
you know, with <laughs> the Iron Button Mal, probably you have a hard time remembering your name. <laughs> Where you are. Yeah. So, if you help me, and, my kickstand is stuck. And you really, really kind of have to lean it over pretty far to the right to get it back up once you've done that. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, it, and it ain't light. It, it ain't light, and it is incredibly top-heavy. Oh, oh, tell us about it when you drop this bike. Oh, man. it. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that was a shock. Of course, uh, <laughs> that, that pretty much I can't blame on the bike. I mean, I, uh, there was a bonus that was about a half a mile down a Jeep road, and here I am. I'm on Anarchy 3s, which ain't off-road tires to begin with. And they're worn down about as worn down as they're going to be because I've been running them for the last two uh, legs. They're all squared and things. And I was thinking, well, it's only a half mile. I can make it. And I went as far as a sand pit. And then I just, all of a sudden, it kicked the bottom out a little bit, and it just went down hard. Uh, hard In the sand. sand. In the sand. Uh, uh, oh, no. It was shocking how hard it is. And I'm kind of guessing that the center of gravity on that bike is probably somewhere in the middle of the cylinder heads mm. because uh, eventually, uh, you know, I can um, pick up electric glides and I can pick up that F800. You know, I'm not going to say easy, but I can. I could not budge that thing. That thing went down hard and it buried itself in the sand. So I couldn't get to the rack Oh. The handlebars are a weird angle, and I could not budget. I wound up flagging down a California highway patrolman, you know, after many, many hours. Oh. And me and him got it up and on the second try. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the first try, we got it to the point where the wheels were back on the ground, and we stopped, and we kind of, you know, we – kind of maneuvered so we were going to lift it and when we let go of it it just kind of slowly rolled back where the wheel <laughs> back up there and so it so it like it said, it, a, said a few things we probably should know so it, it rolls over upside down when it falls <laughs> it's, it dies yeah. like a spider <laughs> but we managed to get it back up on its tires i managed to get it out of there but oh. uh, it that's something i got to figure out and i think it if I had the hard cases on it, mm-hmm. it could not, it wouldn't have rolled completely flat like it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it, if it was like that, I could get my hand on the uh, the case racks and the uh, the front radiator guard, and I think I could get it back on its feet that way. But you know, with it bare like it was, it just went completely flat. Todd, didn't Claire have the same problem with his bike? Uh, no, his, his yes and no. Yeah, the tiger, the tiger without side cases, as we discovered, the tiger eight hundred. Um, when it falls down without side cases, the side of that bike is one hundred percent flat. Yeah, it I is. It is. That. It is in full contact with the ground, and you try to pick it up, and the wheels aren't on the ground, and it just slides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much the way it is. And, wow. And of course, I when I fell, I fell into the sand hole naturally yes so you know it was sitting there with the the heavy end in a hole with the wheels up sticking up above the other part so it was in the worst possible way but uh that's something i'm gonna have to figure out before i go uh running it around off-road 
You get like a little jack that you can just slide under it. There was supposed to be a motorcycle jack. Quite a few people mentioned that to me, but uh, I'd prefer a, a, a less ridiculous solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, everybody thinks the motorcycle jack is undignified until they're face down in a sand pit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little less dignified than the motorcycle jack. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'd be willing. I would have to... gladly used a motorcycle jack at that point. <laughs> or, you know, like big airbags that just pop out the side. Yeah. Ooh, what if you had your cylinders hang out the side so they hit the ground first? Wait. Yeah. Like a BMW? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a Gucci, yeah, say, for instance. Yeah. Those are not that terribly hard to get upright. They're not easy. That's what she said. But it happens. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a little heavy. Yeah. So mechanically, you'd say the bike did well. Oh, it it did so well that it was starting to bother me. It it's one of those things. I've never owned a motorcycle, even the brand new BMWs that didn't have some kind of major problem in the first ten thousand miles. Mm-hmm. I've never, at all the bikes I've owned over the last forty years, every single one of them I've had issues. Some this thing is sitting at 12,000 miles and nothing. Mm. Wow. It, it, you know, it, it, at first, it's great. This is a wonderful bike. And then as it goes along, you start wondering and second-guessing, and what am I missing that's getting ready to explode? That I'm <laughs> when is the other shoe going to drop? This is, yeah, this is too good. There, I don't see it. This is too smooth. Yeah. Obviously, I'm on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it was uncanny how well that ran, and you know I, I put over uh, twelve thousand on it, and these have not been twelve thousand easy miles. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much it's had two one thousand mile iron butt runs under it, about five hundred miles of me testing stuff, and you know about ten thousand miles of the iron butt rally. So it, it's not had an easy life. <laughs> so with and, the rally, do you ride your bike to the start? And then ride it home or some people do. I didn't want to because, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to have to replace a chain during it. So I trailered it over to Utah, mm-hmm. ran it and then trailered it back. But okay. the weight's running. It could have. Another thing I was worried about was the tires mm. because they, uh, completely messed up the whole tire thing when I, uh, uh, started. Oh, yep. Well, when I uh, brought, I did an early 5,000-mile service, even though it only had 2,500 on it, mm-hmm. because I knew I wasn't going to have time to do an oil change during the rally. Right. And so I, I wanted them to stick uh, Anarchy 3s on it front and back, because those are about the longest-lasting things in that tire size right now. Mm-hmm. Well, unknowns to me, the... Uh, Parts folks didn't know the difference between Anarchy tires, and so they just ordered Anarchy tires. And they wound up with an Anarchy 3 front tire and an Anarchy Adventure rear tire. Oh, boy. And (laughs) they couldn't get a hold of me at work, and they didn't know what to do. So they replaced the rear tire because it matched closest to the Adventure-type tire that was on the front. And I didn't find this out. Until I went down to pick it up, and of course there's no time to order new tires or change or anything like that. So, uh. yeah, normally what what uh, most people do on the rally is you have a rear tire mounted on a rim, 
and right. you just send that to checkpoint number two. Right, and you just swap and, out the rim. Yeah, you swap the entire thing out, have it sent back, and go to bed. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping to do something similar to that, except for the whole part. You, know, <laughs> you can't get another rims. Wheels. You know, real wheels are going to be available one of these years. <laughs> so that wasn't going to happen. And then I wound up with a half worn out front adventure tire and a brand new rear adventure tire. And of course, the first thing I do is I take off from Provo, run completely across the whole Salt Lakes and everything to Elko, Nevada, turn around, do the whole thing back, and then go charging over the Rocky Mountains and stuff, heading east, and that pretty much destroyed the tires. Hmm. So things were pretty sketchy. <laughs> wow. You know, it, it was running bad, but uh, fortunately, um, I got a hold of a uh, BMW dealer in Indianapolis, uh, Tom Wood Motorsports, and they stayed open late. Uh, brought it in, even though they had never seen a Pan America. They swapped tires, the tires tire. for me, charged me normal rates, which they could have easily gouged me, and I would have been happy to pay it just because. Mm-hmm. And uh, they set me up with the Anarchy 3s, and then those things lasted the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Now, how long did they delay you wanting to talk about the bike? Not as much as you think. I think uh, that had a lot to do with the uh, – the condition I was in at the time when I showed up, I was looking pretty rough. Pancakes, pancakes, pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you wearing pants? Yeah. And they, uh, you, know, you know, I was, they were setting up the bike, kicking it up on the center stand and stuff. And, uh, you know, they say, hey, uh, why don't you just sit down in this cool room here a second while we work on it? And say, okay, yeah, I sat down. Next thing you know, I'm kind of waking up drooling all over the place. What What year is it? (laughs) Yeah, but uh, they set me up good. They did a good job of mounting it. Uh, it, It's kind of interesting that the Pan America is roughly the same weight, more or less the same power, uses the exact same size tires, and even the same type of rim as the new uh, 1250 GSs. So Suspicious. 170 R1885 on the front and a ones that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly same. Yeah, yeah. That that's uh, it's it's kind of funny actually. If you go look at all the adventure bikes, we all have suspiciously similar tire sizes. Yep. Well, it's funny. They said even the rim looked the same. <laughs> You know, the mm. same weird spoke coming out the side type that the new GSs have. But it looked like it looked like someone had had, had painted over something in German and written American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wrote HD. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they came from the same place. At the uh, design office in Milwaukee, someone's like, hey, is that a GS you guys got back in the garage? No. <laughs> I would not be surprised in the slightest if it did come from the same one. It looked like you guys were measuring it. No. Hard cases, they're made by SW Motec for Harley. They just Mm -hmm. say Harley on them. Yeah, that's like the Buells they were made by here. It's all by Revit. In fact, even though it has a Harley on the shoulders, it says Revit on the gear. I mean, uh, they make no doubt that they don't know how to do it, so they picked some good manufacturers and had them do it for it. Mm -hmm. I give them credit for that. I'd rather them do that than try to invent it themselves. Well, 
Yep, yep. Well, cool, man. So, Todd, you want to do this thing on the Euro? Uh, not really. <laughs> Actually, um, it was quite a few years ago, but there was a guy that tried to do it on a Euro. Probably Mr. Cobb. There, there's a different podcast, like and they interviewed the guy, and it was kind of a, a hilarious thing because it was when they invented the brand new uh, fuel injected 750 engine, mm-hmm. and he used up both of those engines <laughs> and used up an entire another Ural. And their long rider radio has this neat interview with the guy. And he was on the phone with their Russian technical advisor because one of his push rods broke. And the guy, the Russian guy told him, just make a new one. <laughs> <laughs> you get rock, you get vodka. And, you make and it was kind one. of funny because he uh, used JB Weld to weld together the one push rod that lasted long enough to get to a hardware store. And then he got a, uh, a drill bit and a grinder and made a replacement push rod for oh it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's weird stuff that happens on the Iron Butt Rally. It's, when, you, when you have that many miles all crammed in to 11 days, weird things happen. Things get weird. Yeah. All right. Well, Jim, Jim thank you so much for coming on with us and telling, about, telling us about the weirdness and the Pan America. Someone who's actually... Yeah ridden the shit out of it more than most magazine reviews you can read now yeah this is really cool man yeah thanks so much uh we'll post a link to jim's youtube video mm-hmm. uh, and uh yeah and i'm sure we won't try to go steal it no. <laughs> hey yeah. yeah oh by the way on a completely unrelated note go ahead and send me your address and yep. uh, i'll send you a sticker oh that sounds good yeah just yeah maybe i can stick it on the bike next time with him yeah. This, a black piece of tape over it if they think you're all are actually sending money, although I'm pretty sure that ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just send me your address where you live yeah. with the bike. Yeah, I'll do that. That'd be great. Yep. And, and who knows, next time I'm up that way, maybe I won't have to run out right away and I can actually stop by and uh, share a beer or something. Who knows? Ooh, I like that plan. That'd be great, yep. man. Thank you. I do like beer. Okay, you and me, Ural, we could do this. Yeah, no. You ride. I'll. I'll just. I'll be. I'll be Why am I I'll riding? Be, I'll, I'll nap. <laughs> well, you, you are the professionally trained uh, so, sidecar, sidecar pilot. Uh huh. Yeah. And a rider coach. Uh-huh. I mean, you have all of the qualifications. Mm-hmm. I have all the qualifications to say like, and I'm tired. I'm stopping. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going into this diner here. When are you coming out? I don't know. When I'm damn well ready. I'm not. <laughs> this is maybe I won't. This is my life now. <laughs> I'm I'm actually buying this diner now, and I'm gonna live here. You're like handcuffing yourself to the booth. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have my family come, and we're gonna run a diner in. Where are we anyway? <laughs> this is Todd's diner. It's Todd's diner now. Wait 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 no. This is Todd's diner. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have a gimmick about the gravy hose. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and I'll just be in the sidecar. Beep, beep. Done. Come on. Beep. Come back. Until the battery is out. Ivan says I have to make a new horn. <laughs> Just make one. Just make one. Uh, oh. <laughs>
all right. <laughs> Just make one. <laughs> That's. <laughs> and, you know, it would be a Russian that tells you new, that. New frontiers in customer support right there. <laughs> Obviously, it would have to be a Russian that tells you that. Of course. Yeah, th- that's a high level of customer support. <laughs> well, how do I, how do I get one? Oh, j- just make one. <laughs> you've you've got the old one in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. You just you just, just just make something about that size. Make a copy of that. Yeah, and make like that. How hard? Out of what? Is a rock stick? <laughs> Very hard stick. Duct tape. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, Speaking of good customer service, uh, I heard that our shipping was a little slow, and you sped it up by hand. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Trevor. Um, ordered some uh, a key key tag and some stickers, mm-hmm. and uh, I promptly forgot mm-hmm. to ship it for like a a week <laughs> or and change. Oops, I'm not good good at that. So I was I was feeling bad, and I was like, "Well, dudes in Salt Lake, I'll just go take it over to them." Sure, okay, you know, makes sense. Drop yeah. it over at 11:30 at night because mm-hmm. that's normal. Okay, everyone does that, right? Sure. <laughs> In my defense, it's been 105 degrees. Yeah, here. no, and going out in the daytime is a pretty poor choice. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I wait till long after dark to do my errands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, you know, I showed up at his very nice little house with a picket fence and mm-hmm. zero escape yard and garden boxes and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, I was waiting to be shot by the police. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was nice enough to take uh, the sticker and the key tag, and I was just like. Where's what bikes do you have? And he tells me, "Oh, I've I've got this ninja I turned into an adventure bike." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> First, where? Because yep. house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, he sends us. He's like, "Oh, there's a garage," and he he's kind enough to send us pictures of his garage mm-hmm. and and his whole project turning a ninja yep. into an adventure bike and it's awesome and i uh the 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 <laughs> and you have a connection to this i guy. have a connection to this too yeah so the front wheel on his dirt ninja is ironically the strom's front wheel there's a little bit of todd yep you'll notice because you'll notice if you watch the pictures there there's there the wheel changes over time and he finally he couldn't he couldn't get the kind of tire he wanted and lo and behold Suddenly, this big three-stroke, this big three, uh, three-spoke wheel three shows up. Yeah, and lo and behold, that's the Strom's old wheel. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, the, the work on this thing is pretty clean. He's, it's he's nice. He's done a good job with it. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's had a few iterations. Some looked better than others, but the current one actually is pretty legit. Yeah, I, yeah, it looks way cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we. Uh, we'll post the links to his photo album. He's got an eighty-year writer thread about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, you know, this is complete news to me because I don't pay attention to anything. Yeah. When I so when I sold the Strom for parts, it actually had a Ninja front wheel on it because their axle size is the same mm-hmm. and the width is the same. Okay. The rim. So so we just I'm like, well, I need to have some wheel on it though. He's like, well, they're the same size. Do you want me to bring the Ninja wheel and just like throw it on there? I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, that sounds <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, the Ninja's forks are a different size than the Stroms. Okay. Um, or I would have sold, I should have sold them the Strom forks. <laughs> well, because the Strom forks had like nicely upgraded uh, springs and stuff. In them, right, but, right. You know, whatever. Missed opportunity, Trevor. Mm-hmm. You could have yep. had more yeah. of Todd. Mm-hmm. Even more. 
I still got a, I still got the, I still got the Russell seat and the Olin's back shock for the Strom. So if anybody, you're never letting go of that seat. I, I I'm gonna have to honestly. It's in my way now. It's starting to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm surprised you haven't found a way to bang it onto something else. I don't have anything to bang it onto. Not even the Guzzi? The no, not the Guzzi at all. The Guzzi, the Guzzi seat is like, like a quarter inch fucking thick. Oh, um, there is nowhere to put any seat of any kind on that Guzzi. Oh, it is that that seat is just like. Um, right. Yeah. The the I, I looked at it to see if I could get it on the Bandit, but the Bandit seat and the Strom seat, despite looking similar, uh-huh. are actually wildly different sizes, like okay. different width, different length, different fucking everything. Wow. So you should hang it on the wall like I a don't know. deer head. I think I'll just find somebody who can make good use of it and sell it to him on the cheap. So if you're about 200 pounds and you have a passenger who's about 150 ish, I got a really comfy seat to sell you for a gen one Strom. <laughs> Called today. Act now. Operator standing by. I also, I also have a really nice Olin's back shock for the gen one DL 1000. So, you know, put those two together and you have a kick-ass touring machine. Just saying. Watch this dude's going to show up and he's going to be like, Hey, my name is hey, uh, Jod Box. This, <laughs> this is my wife. We, you're here. You got a seat. <laughs> I, I, I do. <laughs> wow. This is, this is very weird. <laughs> your, your, your shirt looks like it would fit me. <laughs> That's how I met my doppelganger. Yep. Uh, that is really cool. I, oh man, that whole. There's Pan America out in the wild. I know, and it's already done in IBR. Yeah, well, and it double it doubly funny too because just the 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 reviews are out there and they're like, oh, this is an adventure bike from Harley, and it's it reminds me a lot of the reviews of like the V85. They're like, oh, this is pretty cool and pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And there's like not enough to really go on of like what's it like to actually live on. You know? Well, yeah, because they they've only had it. For yeah, so they long. they run it for like a day. Yeah, the, kind of thing. Yeah, it's. No one, yeah, no one's lived it. No one's done a long term. Uh-huh. And Jim managed to do that in, in, in 11 we- days. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Here it is. All right. Done. Slap. <laughs> Job's a good one. I, I like that. Yeah. Well, the break-in period's about a thousand miles. Uh, I'll be okay. back tomorrow. I'll be back. He just shows up in the same shirt and pants. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that we established he didn't have pants for iron butt. For iron butt. Or during the iron butt. But, you know, oh, the break-in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Your pants for breaking. He was bad. Pants for breaking. He was there at the dealer before they opened. Like, mm-hmm. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what what are you doing here? Did you never leave? No, I'm, I'm back. Something wrong with the bike? No. no. Just needs a thousand mile service. Time. <laughs> it's time. A thousand miles, man. <laughs> Come on. What are you, what are you slacker? <laughs> uh, we even have some mail to read. Oh, boy. Uh, Chris Hard just writes, hey guys, glad you're back. Thanks. Mike writes, please tell it, it was on purpose. I have to assume it was since it's ripped and still glued on. Uh, yes. What? So he also uh, did an order uh-huh. and uh, I, I'll include the picture uh, with the notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used an eggplant stamp mm-hmm. that I accidentally ripped in half while I was pulling it off the, the backing. Okay. And I'm cheap, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to let that go to waste. Right. So I right. just taped it on there. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. But Mike really likes emojis. Ah, okay. Uh, one of the other pictures was uh, his key tag, his brand new Wilner's key tag available mm-hmm. at wilner's.com. There's only six of them left. Uh, correction, five. Five of them I left. stupidly gave it one the one that I had on the Vespa, so I need one for the Okay. For the uh, and they all smell vaguely of smoke mm-hmm. because they were all on the fire. 
Oh, okay. well, they, they, and they're, they're, they survived. They're fine. Mm-hmm. The Ziploc bag they're in. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the key, these, these key tags are a little piece of history, a little piece of history. And there's, uh, there's five left. Wow. Milners.com. Uh, but anyways, Mike, in, uh, included the picture of his uh with a lot of poop emoji stickers and pencil toppers and figurines and he likes poop emojis he's got a thing huh? he's got a thing for poop i'm not judging out loud mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. i saw a guy once who had a strom and he was covered in rubber ducks like he <laughs> hot glued rubber ducks all over it rubber ducks yeah yeah, that, yeah okay poop? No. not judging out loud no not out loud also, he got himself a brand new sweet Ducati Monster 1100S. Ooh. Because fuck you, Italian bikes. <laughs> Jerk. It's fancy. I've had people like starting fast. to ask me, like, isn't it time you get a new bike? Aren't you usually doing that? Now-ish. Now-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've had the Euro since, God, mm-hmm. what, 2013, yeah. 2014? Yeah. Yeah. I've had the GS for a couple years now. But what would you get is the question. Uh, I'm okay. So the, 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 uh, the, the MT-09. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that is a bike. I think would be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I would, that would be a nice addition to my modern lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. But I don't want to dump one of the other two for that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the G, the GS and the Ural are both pretty the, grand. No, I am thinking that my, I mean, dumping the Ural seems more and more like a, a possibility every day. Really? Yeah, I just don't ride it. Oh, okay. I don't ride it. Right. And your um, daughter not into it, and the daughter's a teenager. No, oh, right. Officially a teenager. Right, I forgot you're lame as hell. Yeah, I yeah. am lame as hell. Super lame. She, yeah. You she just, just don't get it. Oh my God, Chuck. She, oh. she, she like shrinks oh. down in the car seat <laughs> as I pull up to the school. Uh-huh. <laughs> no one sees me. Right. She right. just tucks and rolls out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. As you drop her off two blocks away and she'll just jump a couple fences. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Takes the mask off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the Euro is just, it's, and right now as we've talked about, it's 110 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, the air cooled bikes, I can tell you right now at the stoplights at 110 degrees are suboptimal. <laughs> That's a understated way to put that. I went, I went on, I took my son on one. Uh, we had one errand we needed to run. And of course my son is in the phase where he's like, we're taking the sidecar. I'm like, well, but we're sidecar. I'm like, but he, he's already got his gear. Out of the <laughs> he's I'm like, in the he's, he's, yeah, let's go. It, it's like that. Um, so we went, it was, it was early in the morning to get away from the heat. Uh huh. Man, that work out eight 30. It was still fucking hot on that. Bike. <laughs> that. That bandit stops at a traffic light and it's like, Oh, Oh, this is, this is really, my legs are just roasting, <laughs> but he was happy. Oh, he's happy. Yeah, plan. so yeah. yeah. So he's he did notice. He got me he didn't care. He didn't yeah. care. And you're just like melting. Yep. I'm <laughs> melting. Exactly. Melting inside. Yep. Yeah, he got to wave to other riders. A couple on a Harley pulled up next to us and they're like, That's so cool. He's like and he's he, he's a talker, that one. Um uh-huh. and so he starts trying to have a conversation with him with his freaking helmet on and they can't hear shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's waving his hands, he's gesticulating wildly. And we get going again and they're just laughing. Is that kid in distress? Is he being kidnapped? What's going on there? He's waiting uh, for help. No, although the, the one the one thing he did he did point out to me, he's like, "Hey, um, Dad, I don't like this seat." Like, <laughs> oh, 
Okay. <laughs> you don't say. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Get used to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I figure. I figure now I'm gonna. I'm gonna give Kent a little call and be like, "Hey, uh, I heard you have a better seat arrangement for these sidecars now." Oh yeah, he does. He's improved upon the Texas Bob like uh-huh. sidecar seat. The, okay. The bucket kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. So we'll see. So I mean, if the top could fold down so I could access the trunk behind it uh-huh. without having to move the bottom of the seat, that would be fucking bomb. Because uh-huh. that would make the whole trunk situation in the Texas sidecar a lot more tr- practical. More more trunky. More trunky. Yeah. Right now, you have to tip the whole freaking seat up. And when you tip the whole seat up, you still have like this not very big hole you're reaching through. Uh-huh. Like it's kind of awkward to get anything back there. Just your hand. Yeah, it's like your hand and like your lunchbox is still okay. dragging on the side. So it, That was a uh, good enough one. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, yeah. that's good enough. Well, the the Texas sidecar was never really about carrying tons of shit. It was more about just being a really well balanced, easy to work on sidecar, Mm -hmm. which it is. But I want to carry some stuff. But sometimes (laughs) I want to take some shit, you know, like (laughs) that's why I got a sidecar. Yeah, that part of a sidecar is carrying some shit with you. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Yeah. And I don't, you know, so far my son is small, but, you know, as his legs get longer, is he's ridiculously tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to need that space for his legs. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, that makes sense. Makes yep. sense. Yep. Yeah. But cool. okay. What have you learned, Todd? Well, I've learned that apparently though, my butt is not of iron. Some of the aspects of the iron butt rally sound kind of freaking cool. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. It's, uh, it's kind of scary. It sounds a little terrifying. To yeah. Me. Yeah. The riding sounds terrifying. The pathfinding sounds like a really neat challenge. Oh yeah, that would be cool. You yeah. you could be like um, Axel's operator. Mm-hmm. He could just yeah. call you in. There you go. I wonder if that's allowed. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I've learned that. Uh, I've learned what the title of this episode is. Pancakes, pancakes, pancakes. No, no. Quink, quink, quike, quike, quink, 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 quike. Something like that. It's a quike. That's all we got time for this week. Until next time, I'm Todd. Quike. <laughs> Ride safe, everyone. Bye-bye. You can contact us at wheelnerds at gmail.com or leave us a message at area code 801-917-4136. Record an intro for our show of you and your bike, and maybe it'll be on a future show. Stickers and other merchandise is available at our website, www.wheelnerds.com. If you use iTunes or Stitcher, please leave a review for us. Hell, write our URL on bathroom walls if it helps. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheelnerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent. <laughs> he made a push rod. <laughs> Make you. Yeah, that, I tell you what, uh, if you want to hear some really weird stuff, go to that Long Riders radio. All right. And Check some of the stuff that's happened to some people. <laughs> I, I don't know how we feel up. about the guests pushing another podcast on the show. Uh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> I didn't want to get into that too much. I, but there is some hilarious stuff in there. The guy with the Ural is great. Um, Wendy Crockett, the lady that won last year, she has a great interview. And uh, oh, there, man. There, We should like poach their guests. <laughs> yep. Well, I'll tell you what. There's this one guy uh, – this year he uh, he DNF for points too, but he decided he was going to do it on a uh, uh, KTM two-stroke 300, a six days. <laughs> <laughs> so was he in the weird category? Uh, uh, oh yeah, he was in the hopeless class. Firmly <laughs> planted. And this time he didn't do it. 
But two years ago, when the last one was there, he did it with a sidecar, his wife, and his daughter. Oh and they God. actually finished. <laughs> wow. Yeah, He's it, divorced now. <laughs> that guy is... Uh, he, he's a heck of a writer. That's hardcore. That is, yeah, that's a lot of adventure. Yeah. 